So the 12 apostles, as they're journeying along with Jesus, start arguing with each other over who is the greatest among them. And so there's this kind of contest of the egos that takes place among the 12. And it's really very beautiful to start off in the Gospels, and particularly the Gospel of Mark highlights how self-centered and off-track the Twelve Apostles are, but then we know where they end up. All save Judas end up becoming the greatest servants of all. They lay down their lives for Christ, and they become very good, true shepherds who are willing to lay down their lives for those that they serve. And so we get to see this movement, and it gives all of us hope as human beings that we don't have to be perfect. That Jesus, in a supernatural way, transforms all of us. We just have to be faithful. And this isn't some kind of moralism where we have to do everything right all the time. What this is is a transformation called divinization that God does. God changes us as we pray, as we receive Him, as we celebrate the sacraments. God transforms us. And slowly, our egos, if we're faithful to Jesus, in relationship with him, our egos start to shrink. And really, that should be one of the main goals of life. The shrinking of the ego. Now, these guys all have big egos. And a big ego can be made manifest in a few ways, right? And generally speaking, it's, it's, it's on a scale, but there are two extremes as far as I see them. One of those extremes is in insecurity, let's say, a person props themselves up and feels they have to assert themselves and how great they are in some particular capacity. Now, we've all known people like this in our lives who are constantly talking about their achievements or their own greatness or their kids' greatness or how important their job is. All these kind of different ways that we assert ourselves in our ego. And that person is constantly building themselves up and building their own identity up themselves. On the other extreme, we have this, this is also an ego thing, but we don't think about it this way very, very commonly. But we have this this kind of self-hatred, let's say, towards oneself. 
So the insecurities are there for both of these extremes. So in this person's insecurity, all they can see is their faults all the time. They constantly see themselves as not worthy, not good enough, not beautiful enough, not smart enough. All, all of those insecurities become kind of a, a way that the person beats themselves up and sees everything. So those are kind of the, the two ends of the ego. Jesus presents a better way for seeing ourselves and, and transformation of self. So, you know, we've had different societal ways of dealing with this, all these things, right? I think about the self-esteem kind of movement and project, which I grew up with. Where it's like you just, you just got to constantly make sure that you're affirming, affirming our kids and, and making sure that everybody gets a trophy, everybody's a winner. That was kind of my generation grew up that way. All, all these ways of propping ourselves up in our insecurities, in our own lack of and limitation of existence, because all of us are limited, all of us just come out very flawed. That's just the nature of humanity. All these, all these things are kind of useless. outside of God. And so the way that Jesus proposes in this particular gospel is to be like a child. And he holds the child up as the image of what it means to be a human being, ideally, and to see ourselves as a human being. So children are utterly dependent creatures. They are not self-reliant. They see themselves through the lens of their parents. And they live in this place of freedom where they're not perpetually self-conscious, not perpetually thinking about themselves, not perpetually kind of in their own heads, they're just free. They live in dependence upon mom and dad. And if they have mom and dad, they don't have to worry about anything else. Mom and dad show them who they are. There's this concept that's a really helpful tool for understanding this, which is it's, the acronym is R-I-M. Relationship, Identity, Mission. Raise your hands if you've heard of this before. Okay, a couple of us. Relationship, Identity, Mission. What it means is our relationships help us to understand our identity. And once we feel firm in our identity, we know what our purpose is, what our mission is. Relationship, identity, mission. In that order. I'll give just a very brief example to highlight what, what I mean here. 
I see a lot of babies out here right now, which is phenomenal. And I hear a lot of babies, which is phenomenal. It's very healthy for a church. Now, parents, when your baby was born that day in the hospital, your child, for the first time, being outside the womb, kind of being aware, only knew one thing that helped them to know who they were. They knew, these people take care of me. I cry and I get fed. My needs are taken care of. I am loved by this person. My identity comes from these people. I don't know myself outside of relation to those people. What is my identity? In some kind of, you know, very basic way, I am a loved child. I am loved. I am taken care of. I understand that I am a beloved child as my needs are being taken care of because of this relationship with mom who feeds me when I cry and dad. That's how I know who I am. It's very important. Because, and then as time goes on, I start to understand what my purpose is as a human being. Relationship, identity, mission. As human beings, we're called not to look at ourselves from our own perspectives, right? Propping ourselves up, look how great I am, or look how horrible I am. Our own perspective as human beings is flawed. We can't understand ourselves outside of our relationship with God. What is our primary identity as human beings? We are beloved sons and daughters of God the Father, who brought us into existence very intentionally. We are not random. We did not just come to be because of various circumstances that began with the Big Bang. No. We have been known by God before we were even conceived. God had us in mind. The all-loving Father. We know ourselves to be beloved sons and daughters of God the Father. That is our identity. We understand that through our relationship. The Son has revealed this to us in its fullness. And we then understand our mission, which the church teaches us is to evangelize. Christ has taught us. Go out to all the nations, bringing the good news, bring them back into the fold. To see ourselves through our own lens and our perspective of ourselves is harmful and it will inevitably become egotistic and it is not based in reality. God is the only one who objectively sees us as we are. In so much as we are tuned in to that relationship with God, we will understand who we are. How do we get our kids to grow up with confidence? This is an issue for all parents. Bring them to church Teach them to pray, 
help them to know Jesus. Make that ha happen and, and things will take care of itself. Let Jesus do the work. Jesus, we ask you to deflate any distortion that we have of ourselves. Help us to see things through your eyes. Help us to see ourselves through your eyes, through the eyes of the Father. Help us to understand that our identity comes from our relationship with you and your Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Father. Help us to realize the intentionality of our existence and our belovedness. And as we come to recognize this, help us to be small and to serve. Help us in our own security as beloved sons and daughters not take, but give. Help us to find rest in our identities. Give us the eyes of the Father. Give us a taste of his affection for us. And help us to see others with the affection of God the Father. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us just take a few moments in silent prayer to speak to and listen to our Heavenly Father.